Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Dynasty Dogs. As always, we appreciate you tuning into the new kids on the block for the always entertaining and sometimes wild takes that we bring to you. Don't forget to like and subscribe below and keep a lookout for us on IG and Twitter at Dynasty Dogs FF, all one word, for daily updates and content. Also, make sure you go to underdogfantasy.com and use our code Dynasty Dog to get a free $25 on top of your $10 deposit. Enjoy. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Dynasty Dogs. Uh, appreciate everybody tuning in. Week seven in the books. Um, kind of crazy how quick the season's starting to go by, but um, a lot of fun storylines. We got a lot of cool stuff to cover this week. Uh, I'm going to talk through um, really a few different topics when it comes to trading. We're going to talk about really just knowing how to evaluate your roster. Um, I think this is a really good part of the season to understand are you a contender? Are you a pretender? And, and how do you go about that process? Um, we're going to obviously review last week's Dog of the Week review um kind of where we're at this week moving forward and we have some people to hype up we're gonna take a few victory laps and we're gonna own ourselves on a few other ones <laughs> but uh without further ado how we doing guys oh you know we're doing great we got we're halfway almost into the season it's getting real it's getting you know it's coming it's around intense. so it's getting intense man it's yeah. Oh, I can't wait for the rest of the season. How about you, Con? What's up? You're, people are figuring out now if they're if they're title contenders, pretenders, if they are number yeah. one pick contenders, all that type of stuff. So it's a big next couple of weeks, you know, little self-endorsement here, but you guys definitely want to be following us, whether it's the pod, whether it's Twitter, all that stuff. You know, if you won't have a question to shoot over to us, all that good stuff. Yeah. We keep it real. We keep it real. We help you out. We're trying to help you win championships. We're trying to win championships. We're going to have a lot of rings over here, right? <laughs> we try to be real active, you know, always pushing out content. Um, we actually just released a really awesome article by uh, Khan. He, he uh, talks about Dawson Knox and um, Nikki's got one on Irv Smith coming out. We, you know, I, I think one of the things Nick and I were talking about actually yesterday, um, you know, about articles in general and, and just overall player evaluations, you know, when it comes to tight ends, man, when, when you can hit on that value, like guys like Kaseki, um, obviously the year Mark Andrews broke out, Dawson Knox, you know, players like that were like consensus isn't really hitting on those guys like early, early, and they're not really telling you about them. When you can hit on that value in a tight end premium league, um, even when it's not tight end premium, I mean, those are just a, a differentiator for you in, in a league setting. I mean, obviously Andrews had what, 50 something points um, in tight end premium leagues like two weeks ago. He had 52, yeah. Yeah, man, I mean, that wins people, you know, weeks. Um, you know, obviously Dawson Knox has been nasty this year. Dalton Schultz, Ray GQ, he was all over him all off season, man. Obviously he's a Cowboys Darren fan. Waller came off the street. Off yeah, yeah. I mean, Dan Waller is one of the best stories in the NFL right now. I love it. Yeah, I yeah. love it. And the thing about Waller that's so cool, I think, is the fact that like there was people that kind of saw that coming because of his profile and his ability, but it was just more of those stories of like, let's just hold him. I mean, Donald Parham, like people have been holding that guy for years and he's finally flashed a little bit. So it's definitely <laughs> cool. So definitely check out that article. Um, but let's move it on to um, let's recap dogs of the week last week. I got lucky. I've been so bad at this. I'm at the point that I just like. I mean, Sterling Shepard didn't play. Um, I was under the impression he was going to. I think he ended up going into pregame warmups, and they just felt like they were going to hold him out. Um, so <laughs> I didn't need him to beat those sorry Panthers. Sorry, David. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, David and Josh, if you guys are listening, um, yeah, that, that felt pretty good, even though it was an ugly-ass game. Um, but, yeah, Shep didn't play, so sorry, guys. I, I didn't give you a dog of the week last week, but it's probably for your own good at this point. <laughs> uh, Nikki, who did you have? Oh, shit. Yeah, okay. So, honestly, my dog of the week, 
Rashad Bateman. I thought he was going to have a really big second game in his NFL career against the Bengals. Bengals wound up whooping the Ravens. They did. I'm yeah. still happy for Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Oh, Higgins. Both all had yeah. great games. C.J. Um, Uzuma. Oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. It's insane. That offense is awesome. I love the Bengals. They're a great story this year. But yeah. Rashad Bateman had six targets again for the second week in a row. Yep. He had three catches for 80 yards, 11 points in PPR. He could have done worse because this week there's so many buys, so many injuries. I did worse in all three of my flex spots in one league. I still yeah. wound up with a W, but Rashad Bateman, solid start. I think he's going to be so good as an NFL player. Yeah. And after the first two weeks, you feel confident in him. How about you, Con? Who's your a, dog? Real quick, happened, though, I, mean, I think I was just going to say from a, from an NFL standpoint, you know, like real oh, life, they, he, had, yeah. he had a good game, man. He looked good. He was running clean routes. He was getting open. You know, he's obviously not taken off from like a fantasy perspective, but I think it's exciting to see a player. It's that, coming, though. We know. Well, he's just he's got that natural ability when it came to route running. I think that was yeah. the biggest thing coming into the and NFL. hands. His hands are great. Yeah. Yeah. Getting, getting off the line clean, you know, getting in and out of his breaks, you know, catching passes, you know, not always going to be easy, you know, but as an NFL wide receiver, you have to catch what comes to you. And I, I feel like he does all the little things well, and that's going to translate at the next level. And Hollywood <laughs> dropped another touchdown this week, just putting it out there. <laughs> I mean, how can you keep throwing at him, bro? But um, I mean, he's been good, but yeah, Nick, uh, Con, go ahead. Who's your, who's your, dog? I just wanted to, one last line for Bateman. I know we're kind of having a Bateman love fest right now, but I mean, there's his, a lot of love. <laughs> his yards per catch this week was 27, and the week before that, it was seven and a quarter. So yeah, that's high. You know, and it wasn't deep shots or anything. He was getting little intermediate passes, but he was really creating after the catch for Lamar. So, which is exciting. Yeah, I think. Yeah, he's a special player. Um, oh, for sure. My guy was Tim Patrick, and, you know, I deserved a little bit of humbling after <laughs> I proclaimed, like, you know, if you want a good player, take my guy. And then he – My man Khan was coming off a heater. It's okay. You don't have to worry yeah. about it. It was off, like, <laughs> three straight weeks of just, like, slamming dogs in the league. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, it was a little bit of a heat check. He disappointed you. It is what it is. But I'm making up for it this week. Just so Well, you know. and, and, and real quick, we can talk about that. I mean, the Denver offense – Listen, at this point, whatever's going to happen with Tua and the Dolphins and Watson, it's going to happen. You know, obviously, there's a lot of stories going around. And you don't really know what's true. I think at this point in time, if I am the Denver Broncos, if I see this story, I'm calling. If I can't get to, um, you know, Sean Watson, I'm calling the, the Dolphins and trying to get Tua. Because yeah, in absolutely. my personal opinion, Tua is showing real life intangibles. He's showing he's a leader. He's showing in the midst of all this bullshit, he can go out there and he can ball. Listen, those two interceptions he threw, his wide receivers are doing him no help. He threw 38 perfect passes. Like he was on point. He's, he's God, man, his release of the football is so beautiful. And this is, this is why I've been so high on him so long. And, and I've gotten so frustrated because it's like, you know, Con, you and I were talking about it before the pod, you know, you were saying about how, you know, he had been afraid to throw those passes with Kaseki kind of getting open on the middle of the field and having a guy on his hip or a guy near his back thing is too, you got to think how many games did he really start? You know what I mean? Last year coming off that injury, the offense being absolute garbage, having no real weapons to play with even now, like fuller, Waddle, Gasecki, all these guys, like they haven't even had a full offense healthy. Um, so I, I think, you know, if I'm, the, if I'm the Denver Broncos, I'm, I'm trying to go get me some two or, you know, put him in a situation where that can happen. And it's tough, man. Teddy Bridgewater is, I mean, he's missed Sutton on a lot of open touchdowns. Denver can win the Super Bowl if they acquired Sean Watson this week before November 2nd. Denver is go. a Super Bowl contender. 
They have a great defense. Their offense is studded. Judy's coming back. Noah Fant will be utilized as he should be if Deshaun is back. I'm calling it now. If that's a huge shot. Here we go. If they get Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson will be on pace as a top six quarterback. And Denver will be a Super Bowl contender with Watson. Yeah. Well, their defense are looking shitty. Yeah, and we well, don't def- the, the Broncos defense hasn't been like that that great. I think they've underperformed. That's one of the things I think people are. But if they get kinda... someone like that, they're going to all come together. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think that's the biggest thing is is just getting that offense rolling and getting your defense off the field and helping them out. Um, but yeah, so let, and let's... unleash Javante. Yeah, well, that's that's the other part of it. Um, so yeah, let's. All right, so we already kind of talked about Tua. Um, we can reference it really, really quick. Um, Con, I know you are not the biggest fan of his game, <laughs> but for obvious reasons, you know, I think you had some legitimacy behind it. But let, let's hear your perspective because I think yeah. you've been the most negative about Tua as a player. Like, what are you seeing and, like, what has shifted for you where you're like, okay, maybe he is kind of what people have said he could so, be. The biggest thing for me is I always thought Tua was – you know, his ceiling, I still believe his ceiling's capped, but I was really worried about him bottoming out. And what this week did for me was it put to bed the fact that it put to bed my assumption that he might bottom out at some point. He he played clean. He he had a bad pick that was Durham Smythe's fault in the uh, in the red zone. Um, and I mean, he he really managed the pocket. Well, I was impressed. I didn't think he did that well at all last year. He uh, he just, you know, he played just – he wouldn't have played this well last year. And I am hoping he goes to the football team or he goes to Denver because Miami is absolute garbage. And I hate to wish this on yeah. Jalen Waddle, but, you know, I think Tua going somewhere else and saving Antonio Gibson and Terry McLaurin, et cetera, is a price worth paying to sacrifice Jalen Waddle for the next two years? <laughs> well, it's tough. I mean, dude, Jalen Waddle, though, you got to realize too, if they get Deshaun Watson, like, he's, oh he's yeah, I forgot he'd be going. Yeah, back. yeah, yeah I mean, he's going to be a superstar, you know. So, but here's here's the simple reality, though, with Tua, and it's tough because I've said it numerous times on Twitter, and I will always preach it, man. Like, we live in such a popcorn society where it's like, you know, you you have. Justin Herbert and Justin Jefferson, you know, now this year, obviously Jamar chase, you know, previous years, you have AJ Brown, BK Metcalf, um, you know, every year we've, we've seemed to have it over the last few years and, and dynasty has really started to get mainstream and big the last few years. So I think people that are newer to the game think that this is normal for players to come out. Like every week, Jamar chase is doing what he's doing. They're literally saying this has never been done. So like, it, this is, this is very new and Justin Herbert, like, him this year, like he was supposed to regress and he's taken that offense to the next level in a new scheme that doesn't happen for a rookie quarterback to come in, play well, and then go to a new scheme the next year and play even better. Like these are things that are anomalies and, and that's okay. Like we can capitalize on those things. Like if you were high on Justin Herbert and you took him in drafts, like, guess what? That's a ton of freaking value. And it doesn't mean you have to sell him, but at the same time, it's understanding that like, this isn't the norm. So guys like Tua, like, give them time, man. Like even Zach Wilson, like we were talking about it right before we started recording. Like I'm really not a fan of him. He has incredible arm talent. And I think that he has a lot of intangibles, but I also think that there's a lot of things about him that 
there's not to like. Now, of course, he can clean them up. He can get better. I'm a big Justin Fields fan. He's been dookie for many reasons. You know what I mean? Obviously, Nagy, offensive line, there's been a lot of reasons to not like that team as a whole offensively. But Justin Fields hasn't played well, but he's also not been put in a good position to play well. So my point I'm making with Tua, and then I'll pass this over to Nick, is just, guys, learn to give players time. If, if you believe in your process, and I said it on Twitter earlier today, you know, with, with like last year, C.D. Lamb and D.K. Metcalf, you couldn't buy them the first few weeks of the season. They were going crazy and everybody was like wide receiver one, wide receiver two. It's an emotional game we play, but that's not how you should play. Like, yes, there's going to be players you like and you're attached to, but at the same time, you should have a process. And it doesn't mean you can't hold a player because you don't like that player. Like Tua, for example, like I was never going to sell low on him. Like I sold him at the values that was fair, that helped me in different leagues. But at the same time, like if you had a player you believe in, like a Brandon Ayuk, don't sell low. Like if you believe in your process, like this last week, Nick sent me a clip. There's an account on Instagram that follows Ayuk. It's Ayuk Clips Daily. He was open for an 80-yard touchdown. Uh, Baldinger, uh, Baldy, he, he did a breakdown. And I mean, he was wide open. They just didn't see him. And it was an 80-yard touchdown. Like if he scores that, that's like 16 points last week. You know what I'm saying? So I, go ahead. Yeah, jump in. No, I was talking to my manager who, at work who is a 49ers fan. And I was like, did you see this clip? And he's like, no. So I showed him it. And I'm like, dude, I bet you if Trey Lance was in this game, he's got a cannon. He's got the ability to rush out of the pocket. Unlike Jimmy G, he would have rushed out. He would have seen that. And he would have put it right on the money. And I, you had a, what is a 75-yard touchdown, whatever it was. So at the same time, okay, I did have a question for you guys. kind of want to put you on the spot. Yeah. Um, JP. So – Say this trade goes down and say Tua winds up in Washington. Mm-hmm. I think Terry's a superstar. I think we all think that. Yeah. What is his ceiling if he gets an upgrade, which I think it's a sizable upgrade from Taylor Heineke to Tua? What do you well, think Terry goes up in value? Does he think he rises at all? Do you think he rises yeah. like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have him right now at wide receiver nine. Okay. I think for a guy that doesn't really have a quarterback situation nailed down and doesn't have an offense that's stable, if if you will, you, and you know what I mean. No, yeah, of it, course. It, yeah. Like at wide receiver nine, I feel like that's that's a solid place. I mean, for me, like DJ Moore obviously hasn't been performing at the level that I need him to to leave him at wide receiver six. Yeah, I would be pretty comfortable moving Terry up to like the six five maybe range. I mean, because you have to realize, bro, like he blows up with bad quarterback nothing. play. And remember Very that tweet you sent over early in his yeah, career. Yeah, yeah, and even Allen Robinson, quarterback proof wide receivers. What was the tweet you sent? He's the most wide receiver doubled in the NFL oh, and it's man. not even close. He doubled the amount of the next closest to consisted to contested jump balls, I believe. Mike Williams is the next closest. He literally doubles him. He makes that he's an anomaly on that chart and I yeah. t- I tweeted it today and it's insane to look at. Yeah. Yeah, I think if Tua goes there I mean, obviously, you want to see how he plays, right? You're not going to just immediately bump him no, up. Of I course, mean, maybe a spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'd be pretty comfortable if if he because here's my thing with Terry McLaurin. I have him ahead of CD Lamb, and I've caught some slack, you know, from just talking with you guys and, and different people where they're like, "I don't see how you could do that talent wise." I'm like, "Dude, Terry McLaurin is uber talented and doesn't have a quarterback." You know what I mean? I think so, today, yeah. Terry McLaurin is better than CD Lamb. Yeah, no, I mean, CD, of course. I CD never Lamb produces way, way, way more because his offense scores 35 points a game and he has Dak Prescott. Yeah, but, there's games where he doesn't too. You know what I mean? Yeah, He's out-targeted yeah. by Dalton Schultz. Now Gallup's going to be back. And this is the thing. CD's not the one on his team. 
Terry is. And it doesn't mean I don't love CD Lamb and I don't think he's an, a superstar because he is. He's in that tier for me. It's the fact that Terry McLaurin with a real quarterback, man, like he could put up 1,600 yards. Like that wouldn't shock me if he did that and put up like 14, 15 touchdowns. I'd be like, yeah, that that's kind of. So if you're asking what his ceiling is for me, I'd say top five. Top five. I agree. So what do you yeah. think, Con? I want to know what you think too. Yeah, I have him at eight. And uh, with a legit quarterback. So so here's my thing. I love that you're I, calling to a legit quarterback, folks. You hear this now. He's calling to a legit <laughs> oh quarterback. Over Heineke. Right. Go, ahead, baby. Go, ahead, baby. Go ahead, baby. Go ahead, baby. Go ahead. So um, just, just to give like a little tier breakdown, right? So my top five is Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, DK Metcalf, Tyreek Hill, and Stephon Diggs in that order. And I think what separates – I think Justin Jefferson is the best receiver in the league, so he's my one. And then the other four over there – they have, you know, their superstar quarterbacks attached to them. So with Tua, I could see him being my six, maybe challenging A.J. Brown for that six spot. But I think A.J. Brown is a bit better of a player, and he's still, you know, he still has a little bit of ways to go because of his age. Um, But with Tua, I would probably put Terry over D.J. Moore straight up, just like, you know, initially without even having to see anything. And then after that, you know, depending on how things go, I, I would consider it over AJ Brown. Now let's nice. flip the script a little bit and we can move on after this. Cause we've been on the subject for a bit. Let's say, say if Watson goes to Carolina, I, well, I was going to say if Tua goes to Carolina now, cause I think Watson to Miami seems to be a done deal. Now, if, if there's so many things it, that can come out exactly. of this trade, Oh my God. <laughs> it's great. So, all right, let's say <laughs> Watson or Tua goes to Carolina. Then obviously I keep DJ Moore at six because DJ for me, Moore at, goes up to probably in the top five. Well, most likely, yeah. I mean, especially if he gets Watson, you know, then the situation oh. becomes just absolutely bonkers. But at the same time, it's like, well, what do, what do they have to trade? Is C-Mac in that deal? Which mm-hmm. I don't think he can because he's on IR right now. So, oh, yeah. okay, so he gets held back. So it would be a bunch of picks. So I don't know, man, it, it's tough. I mean, I think either Carolina getting a quarterback upgrade, Denver getting a quarterback upgrade, Washington getting a quarterback upgrade, it, it changes a lot of things. Because, I mean, Con and I have spoken about Fan. I mean, if if he gets to a i'm gonna have a really hard time not putting fan at three man like i've if, if fan gets to a, i think gasecki's tight in three right now go ahead please um if if fan gets to i think i'd have to go to a and to b between waller and fan just because like you know <laughs> we both have the biggest crush on Noah fan yeah and yeah. i'm obsessed I, with him so you know i teddy bridgewater is honestly donkey shit so he's, yeah he's just not very good so <laughs> it's it's an interesting situation again guys we'll see how it unfolds um i am really happy to hear you guys kind of coming around onto it like an all all genuine you know seriousness i've i've been really high on him and i, I think the thing that upsets me and why i go so hard for guys like atua you know justin fields daniel jones, daniel jones because yeah yeah it's because i see like dude these organizations are absolutely flawed like the offensive line isn't built out the scheme isn't built correctly to the strengths of the players they're not giving them the proper type of weapons they're not putting them in a place to succeed Succeed. so it's like how do you expect a young quarterback to do well look at ryan Tannehill. it took seven effing years he performed well at times in miami but look as soon as he went to a legitimate organization with a good offensive line a good scheme they ran a bunch of play action He was like a top three to five quarterback for the first two and a half years of his career. This year, it's tailed off a little bit. We expected with Arthur Smith leaving and the offensive line being a little bit in in flux, like things to change from his production standpoint. 
But dude, they're going to figure that out. Last couple of weeks, they've been running a lot of play action. My point is when you build properly around a young quarterback, a lot of times you will see that product. Look at Baker Mayfield. Now he's interesting this year. And again, I don't want to get off the rails too bad, but he messed up his shoulder, right? So when you look at him last year, he was the QB six for the last like seven weeks of the season. You gave him a the best offensive line in the league, a top running game, and then a bunch of weapons, big tight ends. You gave him speed on the outside. You give him Jarvis Landry, who's a target hog, you know, all these pieces that give him the ability to be able to really cook. So what's interesting about that is, yeah, you had to build probably the f- perfect offense for him, but he played out of his mind. My, my point is give players the opportunity and more times than not, they're going to succeed. They, they are who you drafted them to be. And, and that's kind of where I want to leave that. Con, I know you yeah. want to talk a little bit about Sutton. Yeah. Um, cause we, we touched on, you know, fan, we touched on, uh, DJ Moore, Terry McLaurin. Yeah. And I felt Sutton was underrated coming into this year. And there's been a lot of people on Twitter catching up about his underlying metrics, you know, being, I think number one in air yards and number one in like, uh, what was the stat? And, and like potential touchdowns that have been missed by TJ, by, uh, Terry, Jesus Christ, excuse me, by the Teddy Bridgewater. So, <laughs> sorry guys, we're recording late tonight. <laughs> yeah. So, I I want to talk about the bump Sutton would get for me and he would be borderline top 15 for me. Um yeah. you and know, that's with Judy coming back, you still feel strongly. Yeah, I mean, they could both be top 15 with him. I don't see why not. We, I mean, yeah. we we have Amari Cooper and CD Lamb both in like the top 12 and we Julio have T Higgins. And Ridley, and, yeah, yeah T Higgins, Higgins and Chase. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, you know, it's kind of just like a wheels up situation for that offense. And it'll be a lot like Tampa where, you know, the consistency is not there for a lot of these guys week to week. But, you know, that, could you know, be. I mean, you never know. Yeah. And you know that, you know, probably three weeks out of your 16 games and I count the last one, obviously, that your player is probably going to put up like a week winning quality week. Yeah. So. It's definitely That's interesting with the trades and everything going down. So we'll, we'll keep an ear to the ground on it. Moving on, Khalil Herbert. Um, what's interesting about him is I'm reading a lot of people on Twitter basically saying they prefer him over Monty at this point. And Garbage. ridiculous. Listen, man, Dearness Johnson was like, he, he looked like a superstar. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's understand something. Sometimes players come into a situation and they shine and Herbert's looked good it, multiple weeks, not just like one week he came in, had a good game and that was it. Monty has improved tremendously over the last three years. Like you've seen a massive difference in him as a player to the point where Khan, I mean, I know you were pretty out on him as a player and, and now like, I don't think you'll ever rank him in your top 10, but at the same time, like you see him as like, yeah, dude, this guy's a good baller. Like he's way more explosive. His contact balance is, is, is there. His vision for the hole is there. He, he knows where he's going and, and, and he'll carry a guy four or five yards. You know what I mean? He's got the strength. He's got the burst. He's got everything. And he's got the receiving chops too. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people were worried that Tariq Cohen was going to take, you know, the ball from him. I don't Shit, think Cohen I was. Yeah. And I don't think Cohen is even off IR yet, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, Herbert's probably going to still cut into that role or is probably still going to get a little bit of a role when Monty comes back, because I think teams just realize how important it is to have your best players, but that's just it. Monty's the best running back on that team. And if I'm wrong, I'll eat shit, but I, I feel pretty confident saying that and, and, and 
that just being the reality of it. Um, I mean, what do you guys think? Are you, are you selling Herbert? And you know, if you are, what are you selling them for? Are you holding them? You know, where, where are you at on this long-term? Well, if I have Herbert, I, I honestly just want to hold him. Like we see situations where, you know, Marlon Mack, they're holding him out because they want to find a, you know, a suitor for him. And if Herbert proves that he's the type of guy who can carry, you know, a 15, uh, 13 to 16 carry workload and be, be a reliable pass blocker, et cetera. You know, I don't see why they can't turn him into a fourth, fifth round pick. Um, and in terms of like, you know, getting a fifth round pick or a fourth round pick back from the NFL team. And if that happens, you know, even if he's a 50% snap guy, if he's a 55% snap guy, you're getting a quality flex player who, you know, he has juice, you know, he, he looks really good when I watch him man. and uh, I have a good friend, Julian, who goes to VT and he's telling me about Khalil Herbert. And I'm like, you know, this guy is a senior, like, I think he was 23 coming out. And I was like, you know, he had a good season, but I, I really don't see it. I think it was a sixth round pick. Like, you know, you could keep him. But, you know, it, his vision, his contact balance, as you said, and his, the way he finishes runs, I like what I see. So he's one of those players, like, uh, I'll give you an example, Albert Okuyabunam, the backup tight end for the Broncos. I have those guys as stashes just on a bench on a taxi spot because two, three years, they might get an opportunity. So I, I'd, I'd be wanting to hold them. Maybe you can get them for like maybe a third and a, or a fourth, something like that. You know, I saw them go keep, for a second in my league. Sheesh. I'd probably sell for a second, but. Oh, me too. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, uh, if you can, if you, if you have a late third, you know, you want to take a flyer in this draft class. I don't know Herbert. that. I mean, it's tough too because I don't. I would know send any, a third for him for sure. I don't know anyone that's going to sell for a third right now. Like you got to wait like, for a few down games, but that might to, not even probably happen. have to wait for Montgomery to come back. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. Because I don't know if a down game will happen when he has the backfield. Because like, okay, against Green Bay, I can understand he had nineteen for ninety-seven, but then he goes into Tampa. He's he shreds him. Eighteen carries for a hundred yards against the defense you can't run against. Yeah. So I think you really got to wait now because that's impressive. Zeke couldn't do anything against them week one. Most yeah. running backs all year haven't done anything against Tampa. Cleo Herbert, I feel like that shows that he has the talent. And like Con said, you know, he has the juice. But you got to wait till Montgomery's back, maybe buy him for a third, maybe in January, maybe after the season. People are forgetting about it. Oh, Monty's back. He's healthy. He had a good few last weeks. Well, look maybe at- buy Herbert then. Yeah. And look at, for example, Kenneth Gainwell, you know what I mean? Like obviously right now it works out because, you know, and this spills um, right into where we were going next with Miles Sanders and his injury. And I think he's going to be out about two, three weeks with a low ankle sprain. Um, Probably IR for him. You think? I don't know. I think it's similar to what Saquon has. I don't know that there's a fracture or anything structurally wrong. I think it's just a, a low ankle sprain from what I saw. I think they said the anticipation was two to three weeks. So from that standpoint, obviously, Kenneth Gainwell holds value because he's going to be the guy. He also is going to be the guy on a team that doesn't have to utilize any of their players, doesn't like to run the ball, and their their scheme is just absolutely garbage. So we'll see. I mean, I think his usage obviously is going to be high because they are going to have him as you know the main beneficiary of Sanders being out. But um, it's interesting because about three weeks ago, I think it was – maybe two weeks ago, Kenneth Gainwell was like the guy to buy because he had that big game and, you know, Sanders wasn't getting utilized and people were like, yep, they don't want Sanders. He's gone. 
maybe that's the case, but at the same time, like we see Sanders talent, like it's not a, it's not a question of how good he is. It's not a question of anything. If, if Sanders right now today went to the Miami dolphins, I believe that he could very realistically be a top 12 running back. And that's not even something that I think is, is really much of anything to argue about. No. Um, I think I'm being generous with that too, but my point being is he is uber talented. He's somebody that they are not utilizing correctly. I think even Devonte Smith, I mean, he's looked really good. They just don't utilize their guys properly. You know, they're making Jalen Hurts look as bad as they could possibly make him look. And it sucks because I'm a huge Jalen Hurts fan. I think it was last, it was the week before last I got on here and I was really just planting my, fa- my flag for him, but it does kind of feel like they're going to scapegoat him. My hope with a player like Jalen Hurts is a team, if they end up, you know, benching him for, you know, um, Minshew or whatever ends up happening, a team that needs a quarterback, like maybe even, I hate to say it, the Washington Redskins, if they can't, or I'm sorry, Washington football team, they can't get a quarterback, you know, trade a second or something for him and, and give him a chance, put him in that offense, really let him grow as a player and, and give him Antonio Gibson, give him Terry McLaurin, you know, build the offensive line around him and, and allow him the opportunity to really play and, and flourish under a guy that has coached, you know, Cam Newton, who's a player that I think, he can emulate in a lot of ways. He's not as big, obviously, but Cam Newton was a running quarterback. They could kind of build that offense around his skill set. But at the same time, if you can continue to help him develop as a passer, which I know some people have felt like he, he hasn't really grown a lot. I, I see improvements. I think he still has to work on his accuracy, but his touch on the ball and his, his arm talent, I think is there. It's just, you know, he needs, he needs to be trained up. I think that could be really, really good situation for him. Um, but again, we're talking about Miles Sanders. I don't want to get off on the rails. What, what are you guys thinking about, you know, his situation and all? Oh, man, I don't care to play Kenny Gainwell, man. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. Boston Scott, we've seen that he will come in and take catches away from whoever's a starter. Um, so he's also a giant killer, so that's fun. Um, but, you know, I'd really be looking to trade Gainwell, especially in a redraft league you know, if you can get a legitimate starter who's like on a bye week or something, and like, like you know, if if they have Kenny Gainwell, who's a fine player, taking you know forty ish percent of the snaps from Miles Sanders, who we all think is really really good at football, you know, why are they going to give eighty five percent of snaps to Kenny Gainwell over Boston Scott, who's been there for like five years, probably knows the ins and outs, even if it's a different system, he probably is a vet who catches on real quick has a similar skill set, you know, I don't see why they would just all of a sudden go to a workhorse role. I don't think it's going to happen. So, oh, yeah. uh, Nick, what about you, bro? No, I was going to say this. I think Kenny Gainwell has the talent to have a good workhorse role, but I don't think in this offense where you weren't giving someone with the talent that Miles Sanders has that yeah. role, why exactly. would they just hand it over to Gainwell? Yeah. And, like, I am a Gainwell truther i'd say i do like gainwell a lot and i bought him in a few leagues but i just don't see him have coming in having immediate impact that's going to make you like like oh my god how did i not see this like that is what sanders should have been getting and he hasn't so like you said boston scott's a solid football player came in against the giants a few times and lit us up i like kenny gainwell the talent i don't think he's going to be displayed on full at the full talent he has yeah he's not gonna have the full chance to shine just like exactly he's not gonna get the opportunity just like miles sanders has all year i don't see why that would change when the backup's gonna get the lead role even more of a chance to get a 50 50 split 
which sucks. But at the same time, that's realistic. You got to be realistic. You can't just be like, oh, I love this guy. He's going to be so good. Like, no, you got to temper expectations and you just got to realize what's really realistically coming. You know what else you need to be realistic about? Hmm. Yeah. Kyle Shanahan. You know what? Fuck Kyle Shanahan. Okay? Next topic. Let's move, it, let's move it right on, man. I mean, this guy <laughs> has consistently been a pain in the ass, um, not only in fantasy, but like real life. He's the reason football. I drink, okay? <laughs> I think he's a little turnt tonight, guys. If you can't tell, my boy's feeling good. He's on one, and, and we're trying to we're trying to figure out what the 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 mystery of Kyle Shanahan truly is because it's it's bizarre, man. Like, listen, you trade up for players and then you don't use them, and it's <laughs> it's a common theme, right? Like, they really love Dante Pettis. They felt he was really talented. Guess what? They phased him out. They treated him like he was, you know, garbage. Dante and, Pettis is a better quarterback than goddamn Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> I mean, look at Trey Sermon. Trade up for him. Don't use him. You love Elijah Mitchell. Now, I liked Elijah Mitchell pre-draft prior to, um, you know, him getting the starting job over Trey Sermon. So, I mean, like, that's cool and all to see. But at the same time, you traded up for Trey Sermon. Why is he not getting the opportunity? Yeah. You traded up for Brandon Ayuk. Why is he not getting the opportunity? You saw the target distribution last week. It was like, seven different players were targeted and none of them had more than like four targets. And, and Debo was the only one. Listen, Debo looks great. He's very talented. I loved him coming out of college. I, I love that. He's getting the usage. He is. I have no problem with it. Your team is not playing good football. Like, obviously you miss George Kittle. I get it. But at the same time, it's like, you have talented players, like utilize them, give them the opportunity to play well. And it, <laughs> I don't know. Man. It's really frustrating to watch because I just enjoy good football and I do feel Kyle Shanahan is legitimately a genius, but I think he's such an asshole and he's just getting in his own way at this point. I mean, he cares I, about winning pissing matches more than winning football matches. That's how it feels, man. Ego more than anything. I don't know. I mean, I don't like to act if like you I'm watched in the room, last two weeks with Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. They're not winning. They're they not the bad. top. They're yeah. in the hardest division in football. And they're not winning. And you're going to yeah. say that you've watched Jimmy Garoppolo the last few weeks, and you're going to say he gives you the best chance to win. Let the raw guy, yes, Trey Lance is raw, but he has the potential to be so great. Let him come in. You're not winning with well, Lance Garoppolo. Well, Lance has been hurt, option. though. He's been hurt. Oh, of so, course, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah. But still, Lance is supposed to be back. It was like a, what, a one to two-week injury. He should be back in the next week or two. Let him come in and start the rest of the year. You're not going to win the division. You probably won't make the playoffs, even if you go with a safer option in Jimmy. The upside with Trey is so much higher. Mm-hmm. Let the offense run. See what IU can do. And just see what Kittle does when he comes back off IR, what, next week. It's just yeah. so frustrating that his ego is so high because yeah. you take a player and you want to be right. Just do what's best for the team. That's what you're paid to do. That's your job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I see Niners fans on my timeline who – you know, they're at the stadium, and uh, I think it was a Niners content creator who was logging at the game. And walking out of their stadium, he's just, like, going up to fans, and they're like, yo, what do you think of Kyle Shanahan? And the fans are all like, F Kyle Shanahan. Um, you know, he cares more about winning his egotistical battles than winning games for us. Literally, bro. And I mean, it's but true. This is, but this is the thing, and this is why I keep – we brought it up multiple times, and, like, I reference it, like – this is why I'm holding Ayuk. You know, I I did move him in one trade. I mean, the value was obviously there for me, and I, I felt good about the deal. But at the same time, man, like, 
it's like I've said about Elijah Moore, you know, when, when a player that you evaluate and you have a process that you've built in, you know, whatever that process may be, it could be a process that you listen to four different guys and you just love their work and you trust them. Okay, cool. If that's your process, like, that's fine. You know what I'm saying? Like not everybody actually like legitimately researches these guys. Not everybody actually watches tape that they find on YouTube or they, you know, they, they subscribe to PFF, you know, whatever it is you do, whatever that process is that you've built in, it could be the smallest, it could be the biggest process. My point I'm making is if this player has not showed you any reason to think that they're not the player that you thought they were, I'm sorry. I, you know, I, I get hitting the reset button. I, I get saying, you know what? I just got to get whatever I can for him. I'm a contender. Sometimes that is the case with a player like Brandon Ayuk. For me, unless I'm getting a good value or he's part of a trade that I feel comfortable with, I'm just holding because I do still think that he has the opportunity where he could be a fringe 12 to 15 wide receiver. I think he has that capability to do that. And the na- the lazy narrative of oh Kittle and and Debo were out last year. That's the only that's the lazy narrative, guys. If, if anyone's I saying it, it down it, in my article, it's also not true. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like stop, stop I, going I to put those all their target splits in all of games. Those three played together. You can go read it. It's on the website dynastydogfantasy.com. Yep. And you can just prove yourself wrong. Prove you're an idiot. <laughs> Nick is very passionate about Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, but point point being, I'm just I'm just trying to make a point to anyone listening. If you have a process you built, if you believe in a guy, I get it. It's frustrating when players aren't utilized. They don't perform at the same time. I'm watching them play, and it's not like Ayuk isn't getting open. It's not like he's not capable of running routes. It's not like they're not having him run out, run routes. He's just not getting utilized. So it is what it is, in my Hold opinion. Ayuk, please. I'm not selling low because I think if you do, you're going to look back and whatever it is, you know, a couple weeks, a couple months, next year, and you're going to be like, Damn, I, I definitely sold low. And that's okay. If you can't handle the headache of, of Kyle Shanahan, totally respect it. So moving along. I was actually talking to our boy Ruski today, okay? Oh, I know man. JP loves Ruski. I was just gonna I was gonna say that, you know, he was saying that he gave up Ayuk and something for another player. And I was like, I feel like you kind of sold low on him. I was like, I honestly drafted him a lot his rookie year in the ninth and tenth round in a startup. So I'm not really losing as much value as someone that. <laughs> no, that's yeah. not how you play the game. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was trying god. to keep it together, bro. We have to cut this. <laughs> nah, bro, keep it going. Listen, man, we could talk trade etiquette. Etiquette. Ed, ed, oh my god, etiquette, man. Oh my god, bro, I can't okay. speak. Oh I forget god. the trade he exactly told me, but he basically gave up Ayuk and a pick for another player that I didn't think was as good as Ayuk really in the long yes. run. And I was like, listen, you made what you made. I personally would have never done that because in the long run, you're going to look back and kick yourself in the ass. But, you know, it is what well, it is. And, that's and the I'm thing. not going to sell someone like that. You got to let people because... learn by themselves, man. Exactly. That's the thing, man, about a lot of a lot of people in dying. We've all made mistakes. I've made mistakes. I've made bad trades. We've I, all learned, made I learned from... <laughs> really screwing up teams, man. Like making just really bad. Like I remember when I first started dynasty um, years ago, a good buddy of mine, Joey, I mean, dude, he would just take me to the woodshed all the time. <laughs> he would like circle do it too. It'd be like, he would, he would trade me a player 
I would drop him because he wasn't performing. He'd pick okay. him up off waivers and then trade him back to me. It was <laughs> it was the worst cycle of my I re, I rear-ended somebody trading for Dion Lewis once. Like it was, I mean, this guy had my whole world flipped upside down. In all seriousness, though, like you learn as you go along in Dynasty that you know, selling low on a player because they're not performing. It's not how you win a league. And I get it. Sometimes you do need to sell off of a player. Like, I mean, I know a lot of people were panicking when the DeAndre Swift murder charges were getting circulated around and people were trying to trade DeAndre Swift. If you did that, I bet you're sick. No lie, I sent that article to everybody I knew that owned Swift. (laughs) I was like, yo, you should sell them. Did you get any of them? Did you get any shares because of that article? Sadly, no. No? But I I sold him right before it came out, and then I went and bought him. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, i took him that funny. startup i traded up over you and you were pissed for like a whole day you didn't talk to me i was very day, upset like, what's up bro <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's great all right so let's talk uh we're talking trades let's talk trade etiquette etiquette oh my god etiquette all right there we go i got it i got it all right so when you're in trade negotiations obviously like a lot of people who listen to the show i imagine you're either seasoned or you're not seasoned there's no real in between when you're talking trades how do you try to go about it? You know, what are things that piss you off? What are things that you appreciate? What are things that help trades for you? Nick slapping his knee over here like he's freaking, uh, I don't know, Doogie Hauser. Talk to me. What do you, what do you think, bro? You feel like right, so JP was kind of the guy that he honestly was the one that introduced me to Dynasty. I'm not gonna lie. A few years back, he taught me a lot of stuff I knew, and then I've also put a lot of my own twist onto it. Yeah. I don't like leading people on because I hate when it happens to me. So if someone's offering me a trade, we're talking about it. Say it's like 2 a.m. Cause I'm a degenerate. I'm up all night and talking <laughs> trades. <laughs> I am too. I'm going to go to, I'm going to eventually knock and I'm going to be like, listen, I'm going to be straight up with you. I'm going to either be like, Hey, I really want to get this done. I feel like we're close. Let's talk in the morning or B. I don't know how I'm feeling about this. I'm going to sleep on it. I'll let you know. I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it seem like, this is a sure thing because I know people that I talk to, they make it seem like, Oh, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to just accept this trade. It's like, no, you would accept it now. I'm not an idiot. I know you're an idiot. So I'm going to let it slide, but just be straight up. Be how you feel. Oh, I feel like I need more value. I feel like I'm not getting enough value. Say what you need and see if the person is willing to give that. Yeah. And like send counters. Don't be that person. Oh, I got to trade. Sometimes I'll do it. Okay. I'm guilty of it. I'll get a trade. It's so bad. So don't be Nick, guys. Sit. Don't be Nick. I'll let it sit sometimes if it's so bad. But usually I'll send you a counter. I'll be like, hey, bro, I'm not feeling that. Here's a counter. Yeah, I'll yeah. be a fair guy. I'm not going to be that dick that lets it sit in my box for three days unless it's such a horrible offer that I'm just sending it to all my friends like this is the worst trade I've ever seen. Yeah. Then I'll let it sit. But otherwise, be transparent. Know what you want. Let them know what you want. And that's how you get trades done. You don't get trades done by just being you know you don't contact Dancing the person back you let it yeah, sit yeah. you gotta be forward you gotta be keep hitting them up you gotta keep messaging that's how you get trades done yeah like honestly you, you can't just let it marinate in your goddamn offers for a week i mean it's tough too i mean and i get it some people i i think and it's funny too you can always tell when someone's like really new to, to fantasy football <laughs> or dynasty because like it's almost like you're talking to the same person every single time they're like well, man, like, what would you want for this player? And I'm like, bro, I'm not bidding against myself. Like, you make an offer. Nick Khan's getting pissed. I just brought up his pet peeve. Go ahead and talk, buddy. Bro, like, <laughs> he hates that. I, I, I told this guy, like, I'm interested in acquiring Jordan Love. Is yeah. there any particular player on my team who you would like? 
and he says to me, make an offer. Totally. Oh, I hate that. Totally okay with that. You know, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of it. Like, you know, I want to get a sense of what you're feeling, but I get that you also want to get a sense of what I'm feeling. So I understand. It's a standoff at that point. So Yeah, exactly. And, I, and, and, <clears throat> and at that point, I feel like it's the responsibility of the person who approached first to, you know, make that offer. Yes, exactly. So the beginner offer. So, so a baseline something. Yeah. W- what I hate is people who just, they, they know that you have interest because you came first and they try to take advantage Yes. Yeah. And they're like, uh, oh, you want this guy so I can, you know, yeah, bring you over so, the coals on him. Yeah. So in this league, I'm legit like I am a contender and I have no need to trade for Jordan Love other than the fact that I want him just because I think he can be decent next year. And Matt last week, Matt and I and our boy hyped him up a little bit. So Khan's yeah. sending out them. Off. <laughs> <laughs> um, so thank you, fantasy so, scouts. So, so I tell this guy and I'm like, yeah, you know, you have quarterbacks, for, you know, franchise guys for the next couple of years and he'd be your fourth quarterback. So I'll, I'll give you a second, just, you know, and you let me know where to go from there. Yeah. And and he's just like, leaves me on open. <clears throat> and I just like, I, I hate being the person who annoys people to make trades. So I'm not going to text them again, but it's just like, bro, you paid your buy-in for this league and you're not going to talk to me about a trade where I thought I like it. Just tell me it's not fair in your opinion. Yeah, and yeah, I'll be like, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Christ, bro. So, or send that's... a goddamn counter. That's the easiest yeah. thing to do, and no one does it. It's well, and like... here's the thing about it, too. Like, a lot of times with people, they feel like if they don't like an offer, nah, I'm just not going to say anything. And I get it to an extent. So, like, a lot of our leagues, like you guys know, like, I do bylaws and stuff like that. And I always put in there, you know, we want active leagues, you know, within 72 hours, either accept, decline, counter, or, you know, let the person know what's going on, you know? And I think that's a fair thing because with that, it, it creates a, a sense of camaraderie. You know, everybody in the league is communicating, they're active, they're talking. Listen, you could draft your team at the beginning of the year. And t- I've had people literally say, guys, I'm not looking to make any trades right now. I want to wait the first four or five weeks. I want to see how my team shakes out. I really like how I drafted and I'm going to go from there. I respect the hell out of that. Cause to me, that's saying like, yo, I really believe in my team. I believe in my process. I believe how I drafted and I just want to lay low and see how it goes. There's some people that just don't like to make a lot of trades. That's totally fine. One of the biggest things for me, I think that frustrates me is if, you know, you're in that conversation, you're going back and forth with somebody and they just waste your time. Like I'm, listen, dude, I got a lot of stuff going on. Fantasy football for me is just fun. You know what I mean? I like to take that side piece of time. You know, if I'm at work or whatever, I'm doing something. If I take a break, grab a snack or something like that, maybe I'll send out a trade, whatever. If you're going back and forth with somebody, you're investing time and energy in that conversation. You're trying to figure out, okay, where can we go with this? in someone they start going back and forth well i like this guy i like that guy and you're trying to piece together this trade you know sometimes you go back and forth with somebody two three days i mean nikki sometimes we'll talk for i mean what was that kyler murray trade was like six months you had me on the ropes over there you know what i mean like we're going back and forth con i mean sometimes i gotta call him four or five times before i'll even answer the phone because he knows i'm trying to make a trade with them like like (laughs) these guys you know they put me out there but at the same time like we, we get stuff done my point is it's just if you're going to make trades with people you're going to talk back and forth one of the best things you can do is be upfront be straight up with people. Listen, this is who I want. This is who I'm willing to move. This is where I'm at. This is my values. And you just get it all right out there. Because when you do that, 
it's almost like, you know, like when you're dating a girl, right? Like, you know, if, if she's playing games, she's leading you on, you're going back and forth. You're like, am I going to hang out with this chick? Am I not going to hang out with this chick? Does she like me? Does <laughs> she like me? Yeah. yeah. You're like, yo, you're playing it. Listen, I can go hang out with Veronica. I don't need to see you, Mallory. You know what I mean? That's how I feel about it. Like there's 11 other fish in the pond in this league. I don't need to hang out with just hey, Stacey, you. Stacy, get out of the way. <laughs> no, but all seriousness, you know, I think that's the biggest thing is just making sure that you're, you're respectful of your league mates. You're active and you're consistently building that relationship. These guys will give me shit all day long about trades I make. And there's a lot of times where I'll make a deal where, yeah, I may win the value a little bit, but a lot of times people don't understand. I will always look at someone's team yes. and I'll always say, all right, they're weak at tight end, they're weak at quarterback. They don't have a lot of depth. They don't have, you know, this, that, or whatever it may be. And I always look to make sure that that deal makes sense for roster construction and the value makes sense for what they could be doing. And of course, like you, you're never going to start at your absolute peak. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I just want to get a trade done. I remember I sent out, it was Mike Williams. Um, I can't what remember. What happened in our other league? Yeah, yeah, for DJ Moore. And like, I know you felt it was, I got him for a good price, but you know, and I spoke to a few people, they felt that was a great offer. You know, and I started high, he countered, wanted Ramadre Stevenson, whatever, we got it done. Point being, I'm not always going to come in like, bottom low because i think that's disrespectful but i try to give people the opportunity to make a trade that makes sense and get it done sometimes you're going to try to negotiate and go back and forth but i think the big thing is just having respect for people's time and energy because i'll tell you man you piss me off one or two times i'm i i will not bother with you I, i there's enough people in the league that i am good to go i'm gucci um, so let's talk some Devi players. Um, I think this is an interesting topic. We don't have to go through 50 guys. I think we and can this is just... my favorite, just so everybody knows. This is yeah. my favorite. I'm yeah, the we... biggest noob at Devi, and I'm fu- I'm like Nick, Nikki's doing good. So we league. actually just did an auction league, um, which was a ton of fun. It we was gotta have sleeper. a recap of you know, we gotta go over it again with David and all of us. It'll be fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next week, I think David may jump on with us for an episode. That's our editor, guys. Um, awesome dude. Um, we did a Debbie draft, you know, it was kind of the dynasty dogs guys and, and a few friends of ours, but, um, it was a lot of fun. So we did an auction draft mid-year, did a, a cheap startup just because we wanted to get some action and just kind of see where players values and stuff went. And it was a lot of fun to kind of see where players went. I, I was fortunate enough to grab uh, Jameer Gibbs and my boy, uh, Bouye out of LSU, who I think is going to probably end up being the first wide receiver off, um, in that class. Ute, there you go. Sorry. Um, first wide receiver that comes off when when he's drafted. Um, I think he has that same level of talent as a Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. Um, we, we saw what he was doing before he went out, and obviously he's going to miss the rest of the year, which sucks. Um, I don't believe it was an Achilles or anything like that. Am, am I correct, Con? It was just a yeah. lower leg injury that's going to keep him out, which sucks. Yeah, he'll be good, and it's kind of like a, a really – Poor season for LSU. You know, Ed always going to be leaving this offseason. So, yeah, it's shaky, but you know, he's going to get, he's going to get leaned on next year. He'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. So, point being, um, Gibbs, if you don't know him, look him up. Um, kid is just versatile. He's fun to watch. He's put on some weight, which is amazing. Um, cause I think his, his skill set is very like Swift, Kamara esque, Eckler esque, where he's just a phenomenal pass catcher. Um, just explosive. I, I Matt mentioned it last week. I love that, you know, contact balance vision, you know, when, when you have those two things, it gives you the ability as a running back to be able to really transcend at the next level. I think Gibbs adding weight, being able to be a guy that can, you know, really dump, you know, 
between the tackles, but at the same time, split out wide, do everything that he does really, really well. He's going to be a special pro, um, prospect. So if you play Debbie at all, definitely someone to look at. Um, if you're just acquiring 2023 picks, I think he's one of the big guys. Um, Tank Bigsby, obviously, you know, I, I think a lot of people like him more just because he looks like he could be more of a three down back. Um, and then obviously, I mean, B. John Robinson, I, I don't think anybody doesn't know who he is at this point. Um, <laughs> did yeah. you guys get any, you guys got a couple of Debbie guys, right? Nikki, I saw you on, on one of them. Yeah. So I'm the biggest noob in Debbie. I'm much more well-versed in the NFL than college football. I don't watch as much as these guys. I know Con and JP do their, you know, their solid watching of college. I try and watch one or two games a weekend. I'll admit that I'm a, a complete noob at that stuff. But I did get Isaiah Spiller, who I like. I don't know how you feel about it. How do you feel about Isaiah Spiller, Con? Um, he is my running back 1B after Brees Hall. And I had a pretty big gap between them. Uh, coming into the season, I thought Brees Hall was, like, clearly the number one. But I Spiller is the nicest here. Yeah, he's kind of caught up a little bit to me. And then I got Chris Olave. I, I had the 104 and the 204. I moved up from 204 to 203. I moved up with our boy David because I was like, you know what? I feel like he's going to take Olave. He's someone I really like. He's 6'1", 187 right now. But I think that he's going to be around 205 maybe when he comes into the NFL next year. I saw you had a tweet, Con, that you were not as high on Olave. Yeah. Like I said, I was going off looking up lists and watching highlights. And I liked his, <laughs> you know, I liked his ball control. I liked him getting – I see that he focused on more – you only need one foot in bounds, obviously, in college. He get, always gets two, it feels like. He's yeah. preparing for the NFL. Yeah. And he has good hands. So I saw some things I liked. I see, you know what? I'm going to take this guy. Yeah. I like him coming out. I don't know where I he's going to land. But I think what do you think about him? I know you're down on him a little bit, Con. So I want to know why. Yeah. Sorry, Johnny. I'm just answering Nick. So hey, you're good. For I'll, I'll say my general receiver rankings for like the way that it stands right now to me, you know, week, um, going into week nine of the cultural bowl season. So I have Traylon Burks number one. I think he's far and away the best God, receiver bro, in this class. Yeah. That makes sense. I like he's, virtual. He's a Martian. Um, then second, I have Drake London, who is kind of another guy who's a Martian. I like London, too. I was debating between both of them. Yeah, I, 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 have met, I do have him at two. And wow. I, lo- I mean, I love London. That's 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 dope. Yeah, so I have I have Burks in, like, his own kind of tier. Then I have London and David Bell in the tier right below that. Yeah, I was going to say David Bell is my guy. <laughs> yeah and then garrett will so so like the top four i think there's a big 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 difference between the top four and there's even tiers inside the top four so yeah. burks gap um london and david bell gap and then garrett wilson so then after that to me i'm totally fine if anybody wants to put a lobby at number five i do have um george pickens i would i would like him i was gonna say too. what about george yeah. pickens um and the injury there, knocked him down for you? I mean, yeah, he would probably be in that. Um, I think he'd be top. I got to be honest, bro. I think if he didn't, if that injury didn't happen, it, it would be him and Burks as the one and two. I, I agree. I was going to say he would probably, like, it takes a lot to put you in the same category as Traylon Burks to me. Yeah. But he would definitely be the two. Um, And, you know, he's a young kid. So I'm the torn ACL, you know, you never want to see it, but it's not something that really keeps me off of him honestly so yeah um i have him over olave i also have we talked about a little bit with matt the other week how i love um jameson williams now i don't think anybody's gonna agree with me here you don't have to 
but I have Jamison Williams over uh, Chris Olave just because I really like what he does mm. as a speedster. Um, I think he's really developing as an overall receiver, not just really like a kick returner. So, and then I'm comfortable putting Olave at six. I mean, I, I'm sorry, at like, yeah, six. Uh, for me, he'd be seven. So six, I think, is really, really fair. All right, for someone like me, so I feel like a lot of our listeners are probably like me. They're not as big on college or more of NFL guys, right? So what is your biggest knock on Olave? Because I want to know, do you think I made a bad pick at 203? No, 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 absolutely not. Well, Drake, the only thing is just to – London went much later, though. I feel like he went like 208, right? He did. He fell to the back of the second round. So here's the thing about Olave that I think a lot of people are down on him about is the fact that he went back to college. and. So being a, a early commit or someone that comes out young, people just, they like that. You know what I mean? They want you to be the best player on your team as a freshman, as a sophomore, as a junior. You know what I mean? Because when you do that, it gives people the confidence that you can come into the NFL and you can take over and be that alpha. You can be that guy that can command targets that you can really perform well. That's why a lot of people are down on Najee Harris coming out. And I get he's the RB3 right now. A lot of people are saying he's not efficient. He's going to fall off, blah, blah, blah. It's whatever it is. So I think, Nick, if you're hearing a lot of people not being high on Alave, I think that might be one of the more legitimate reasons behind it is, is just him going back to school. A lot of people were down on that decision. Um, I don't know if Khan has any other reasons behind it, but I think that would be one of the main ones. And it's not like I'm someone that's like regretting it. Like I watched what I watched. Yeah. Like, like yeah. I said, I obviously am not a huge college football guy, like unlike you guys. Mm-hmm. So I honestly just looked up some lists, some Devi lists, because we got mm-hmm. into this league and now I'm going to be watching more college football because we're in this league. Yeah, but yeah. I kind of just looked up some players, saw who was left on the board, and I was like, all right, it's between basically Olave, and I forget who else was between. I think it was London. And I watched both of them, and I was like, I really like Olave's game. I think he's like, he looks like he could be a stud in the NFL. So it's not like I'm going to be like tilting and be like, oh, I made the worst pick ever. Like, I like what <laughs> I saw, and I believe in it. Yeah. But I just want to know from someone who watches more college football than me, you know, maybe what you see that I don't. The thing with London is his his really really great tape is happening this year, so a lot yeah. of that stuff's not on YouTube yet. Um, which like I'm a, I'm a nerd for football, so I was watching like Aiden Hutchinson, George Karloftis, all those guys Hutchinson, for the bro. For, <laughs> for the Giants pick. <sighs> uh, Johnny, I actually came away thinking Karloftis is better, honestly. Really? Um. So yeah. Oh. So. I, like Olave, Olave is a senior this year, obviously, right? So he has, yeah. you know, he played with Fields last year. He has leg up this year on everybody, and you know, London's dealing with is a Keaton Slovis, is a Jackson Dart, um, is my coach gonna get fired this week? Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. So I like how he's produced this year, regardless of all that, and I like how even last year he he had some competition with Amon Ross and Brown. No. And he also had some competition from other little guys along the way, like a Tyler Vaughn's and stuff like that. And he really pushed all into the side. So I, that's just what I like. And I like the the big, you know, six three, six four receiver. That's just the way that I always lean. No, yeah, of course. I just wanted to honestly ask because I, I want to be transparent. I don't want people thinking we're coming into this as know-it-alls. Like, I want to be, like, straight up with people, you know? Yeah, of course. And I'll tell you, man, one guy that I like a lot, and I'm going to go ahead and throw him out there, my boy, Wandale Robinson. I don't know oh, man. Oh, man. I love Wandale. I really – I'll be honest with you, man. I would have – I, I, I kind of <clears throat> – excuse me. 
<laughs> we did a two round Debbie draft. I would have loved to do a three round because I, I was really just I would have loved to snag him because I think Bro. next year he's gonna get put in a really good situation and I'm gonna end up having to pay the farm to get him on my team. But you know, See, you honestly, know people that are listening right now, be like me. I'm honestly taking notes. I'm like taking notes of what they say because they know more <laughs> than me about this. So I'm not gonna be scared to say Bro, that. I was trying so 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 hard to get like the two twelve. I kept seeing you do. Yeah. That. <laughs> because well, who I did want- you want? I wanted to take Michael Meyer, bro. Really? My, I think Michael Meyer is going to be like a top five, six pick in Superflex drafts next year. Hmm. So really? I, I was like, I didn't have a Devi pick this draft. I was so shocked I was, you didn't try to get one. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I was really trying to steal somebody who I think is, you know, a top pick in, you know, in, in a late next second year. Round pick. Yeah. And, and, um, and Brett LeBou took, um, who was it? Kyron that's Williams. Kyron, yeah. And that's a good pick. I really like Kyron Williams, too. I'll be honest. Um, if I was moving up, I was trying to take Charbonnet over him just based off of the size. And I think what mm-hmm. he can translate is the next level. Um, I think if he goes to the right type of situation, um, he's the type of guy that could legitimately be a three-down back. Kyron is yeah. just – he's smaller, so I, I think that's my biggest knock on him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I offer, so I'll tell you guys my offer. I offered my, my rookie first and my rookie second for the two eleven, and he turned it down. Wow. Really? That's yeah. what he wanted from me too. And I was like, Ugh. cause I was between Carson strong and Charbonnet at that yeah. point. And I was like, man, strong, the knee worries me. Where is he going to go in the draft? Do I really yeah. want to pay a first and a second for a guy that ends up not getting drafted in the first two rounds? Um, really the first round, if I'm going to pay that type of capital and again guys in a Debbie league you know this is how it works is you have your Debbie draft and then you have your rookie draft every year so this year obviously we drafted you draft your Debbie players or your your um, rookie players right in the draft the startup and then after that we did a two-round Debbie draft so that means next year any players that we did not draft in the Debbie draft that are coming out that season so the 2022 season 2023 season that year you can take whatever players weren't taken so we have another Debbie league Kyle Pitts Javante Williams, Elijah Moore, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, all those guys are actually in the rookie draft. So it is a depleted rookie draft because your Debbie players are always going to take kind of those top guys. But like the year before Joe Burrow, there's always going to be breakout players. There's going to be guys that get drafted crazy high, like Kadarius Tony, that he was also in that draft, Terrace Marshall, that they just don't get picked up in the Debbie draft. And then they end up falling and you're like, Mac Jones. Yeah, Mac Jones. Did you see Mac Jones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mentioned him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so I'm you're sorry. like, oh shit, no, you're good. You're like, this guy dropped. I, I can't believe it. So it does definitely happen. Like Khan was saying, he was trying to steal a guy that he thinks could be one of those players. So it's an interesting concept. It's a ton of fun. I, I really, I encourage people to like. So this league we just did it was a ten dollar buy, and next year we'll probably raise it to like twenty, twenty five bucks. Nothing crazy, and you know, incrementally over time, maybe make it a little more, but. The point was just to get some younger people that haven't played Debbie before to educate them, let them learn, have a good time, and really learn the uh, the the value of understanding college prospects. Because when you really yeah. learn those players before they're coming into the NFL, your process just changes, man. And, it, it and makes- you get ahead of people on non-Debbie leagues. Yeah, exactly. I've already yeah. noticed that. And, like, I'm yeah. not even big on it yet, like – but I've already learned some people I know a lot of people in my leagues don't know of yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, so like, that's, that's one of like going back to what I was saying with Meyer, I, because there's always the rises in the rookie draft. Mm-hmm. I try to ship off Devi first and I'm in one league with, with David actually, where I'm kind of hoarding them because I didn't want the talent on my team this year. Yeah. But um, what I did in another one, was I stacked up on second rounders in the first year of our league. And my second rounders were at the 2.3. I took George Pickens, 
at the 2.5. I'm sorry, at the 2.8, I took Brees Hall. And at the 2.12, I took Sam Howell. Well, you got Brees so, Hall at the 2.8. Yeah, but this is obviously when he was a sophomore. Yeah, so, yeah. So, you know, I had a core of whoever it was already. And I'm just like, you know, I'm fine with waiting a year, you know, putting two years worth of a buy-in and having an absolutely ridiculous team afterwards. Like, that's just the way that I look at it. Because one of the things when I first started playing with Johnny was he told me, like, yo, you know, these leagues actually probably are not going to last five, six years. And I'm like, what, bro? Like, if we're going to play, if I'm going to play, I'm going to freaking play, bro. So I, I, that's kind of like one of my philosophies in general, which is playing the long game. And that's what I what I try to show with what I'm talking about right now. So this league that I'm in, if I can get this stuff off my screen. So I also got Javante in the rookie draft. I traded CD lamb actually for Antonio Gibson and the pick that got me George Pickens mm. and Elijah Moore, I believe. Nice. Um, I, I had uh Nico Collins, Michael Pittman, Corlin Sutter and Antonio Brown Tua. I also have um, Russell Wilson who's injured George Kittle. And I have three Debbie first in addition to like two Debbie seconds. Mm. So um, in my Debbie class this year was, let me see over here. Okay. So I got Kyron Williams in late second. There wasn't anybody really who I could take for this upcoming class. A lot of them went off like uh, Jameer Gibbs, Bryce Young, uh, all those guys kind of went off early, but I did take DJ Uwe Galilei early which kind of bit me in the ass because he got benched and he doesn't really look too good but i think he's going to transfer out and i took tank bigsby at the 103 ahead of like tank bigsby yeah i took him ahead of keaton slovis olave uh, trail on burks uh i took david bell over kashan butte which i wish i did not do i really wish i didn't do that as much as i love uh david bell eh, it's whatever David but, Bell's gonna be a stud, bro. You'll, you'll. My bad. I didn't mean to get us off on this huge tangent. I just wanted to ask. You I mean, it was a part of the subjects. No, it's good yeah. stuff, man. This is great content for people that we've are never talked about this. So honestly, I, I really don't yeah. mind, um, kind of spending a little bit of extra time on here for anybody who wants to get into it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we can move along a little. So our, our next subject, and and this is our last one, and then we're gonna move on to questions and then dogs of the week. Um, midseason strategy, I, I think, is a really important thing for people in fantasy, especially newer owners need to understand this and 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 get to this place quickly throughout the season because you really don't want to jump ship too early, right? Like if you're so, for example, in one of our leagues, Nick Khan, um, our editor David, we're all in it. On uh, it's called No Divas. I was 0 3 to start the year, and my team to start the year, I was like. Oh yeah. Like I'm, I'm by far best team in this league, like straight stacked. I was 0 three to start the year and I was like shocked by it. And I'm on a four game winning streak. And then this week I play a, a rebuilding team. So I'll, I'll win my fifth game. Like I think I'm in fifth or fourth place now. And like, you know, eventually, you know, going to move up those ranks. So point I'm trying to make is never jump ship too early, but I think this is a great point in the year to look at your team and, and just be real with yourself. You know, can I get into the playoffs? And if I get into the playoffs, is my team really going to make any sort of run? And here's the reality of it. When you get to the playoffs, it's all luck, man. I, I think a lot of your process is, is for the regular season. And when you get to the playoffs, it really is. I've had teams, when I tell you they were the most stacked team you've ever seen, I'm, I'm not trying to even exaggerate, like teams with like three or four first round draft pick type value and and still getting knocked out first round because I didn't get that bye week. And then week two would have went off and would have won. Changing the body is crucial. Yeah, it's big. So I guess my point to make is here, 
is understand what your team is and, and be real with yourself about it. If you can compete, sell off a couple pieces, pivot a little bit, every about four to six weeks, I make about two, three trades with a, with a team that I feel like I need to. And I try to kind of pivot, move off a couple guys that may be underperforming, guys that are going off really, really well, package that together and, and get a trade that I feel like is going to help me for the long-term run. That's a Cooper Cup statement, by the way. Cooper mm. Cup is a huge sell high for me. I don't have any shares. I was never really in on him. But if you do, I, I here's the thing, man. Like Jamar Chase, for example, I think that he is legitimately, you know, he's a whole well, he's catapulted himself into the top five conversation. So I'm not going to pretend I don't own a ton of shares because I do. But here's the reality of it. If you can sell high on a player like Jamar Chase, listen, the wide receiver one changes every couple of weeks, man. Last <laughs> year, CeeDee Lamb, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, Tyreek Hill. It, it's going to consistently do that. Listen, Jamar Chase is going to be a stud for a long, long time. But guess what? There's going to be a ton of more. The wide receiver position is the deepest position in fantasy. It's the easiest position to stream. It's the easiest position to hit on because there's so many wide receivers. The offenses around the league have become passing offenses. So I think when a player is at that pinnacle of like, this is his peak, he can't go any higher. He's already ranked as the wide receiver one at this point. Now he can continue to sustain success, but at some point there is regression that kicks in. And it doesn't mean regression where he's like, okay, now he's the wide receiver 12. It means he Not goes permanent regression. It just Temporary. means he's going to have a couple games where he maybe isn't going out of his mind and he yep. may rank down to like, okay, now we got him at the three or the four slot, whatever. The point is if you can sell a player at absolute top value, you can get the farm for him and your team needs that you do it. Because what that does is it gives you the opportunity to build out your team long-term. Now, if you have a stacked team and you have a player like a Jamar Chase thrown into the mix, well, then it's free money at that point. Yeah, if someone comes to you and offers you the farm, like that's a great opportunity to look at your team and see if there's ways to pivot. But when you have the opportunity to sell off a player for great value that's going to make your team better, always evaluate that. No one should ever be untouchable on your roster. And if they are, you're playing dynasty the wrong way. It's stocks and bonds, baby. You're selling high, you're buying low, you're consistently looking at the market shifts and you're understanding that people are emotional. Take care of your team, play on those emotions and you will always be better than everyone around you. So real quick, I agree. The same exact situation here in Divas we're all in. In the league ballbusters, I started off 0-3. I had a very good team. I made like one trade maybe. And now I'm four and three. I'm playing you this week, who's five and two. So we have a yeah. huge matchup this week. And like, I didn't, you know, I didn't fold under pressure. I had people like Jake offering me two first and Gabe Davis for Kamara. And I had other people offering me <laughs> trades for dirt players. right now. He's starting. And I was like, honestly, I know I'm 0 and three, but I'm not going to move off my guys because I know this team is good and I know it's going to turn around. And here we are four weeks later, I've won four straight. And maybe I could beat JP this week and get five straight. Nah, calm down there. Hey, I'm not going to calm down, all right? We're going to come back to this next time. But no, either way, don't, you know, even if it's three bad weeks, four bad weeks, it's a 17-game season now. You have so much time to for your team to catch on to what they should be that you just can't panic right away. What do you think about that, Con? Do you have any situations like that this year? I have the complete opposite situation i have a team that i feel is probably one of the best in the league and i started off on three on four and i had owners hitting me up you know they're like uh what do you want for claypool what do you want for stefan diggs etc cetera, etc cetera. and i'm mm-hmm. like i'm sorry bro but honestly i still think i'm one of the best teams 
And it's happened a couple weeks where, like, I played Tua, and he left early with a rib injury that cost him me a win. Yeah. Played Daniel Jones, he left early with a concussion, costing me a win. Um, Chase Claypool had, like, one catch for nine yards, I think, in week six, costing me That's when he was my dog of the week, yeah. So, you know, it's just been really, you know, I've been unlucky as as much as, you know, it might be a bullshit thing to say. I, I think I've been pretty unlucky. And my team consists of... Ryan Tannehill, Tua Tagovailoa, Daniel Jones, Deshaun Watson, Irv Smith, uh, Jared Cook. Who else was it? Um, Stephon Diggs, Chase Claypool, James Robinson, Joe Mixon, Austin Eckler, um, Javante Williams, and the list kind of goes on. And I could talk about this team for ages. But mm. I'm 0-7. As was cra- roster baiting over <laughs> <laughs> As crazy as it is to say, like, I'm 0-7. And I will probably be hitting up owners, you know, do you want Joe Mixon for X, Y, and Z? Like, you know, it's that time where I, I love this team and I thought I had a chance for the chip, but the reality is Watson hasn't been playing. Earth Smith is out for the season. You know, Claypool gave me issues, quarterback health issues, you know, et cetera. And it's just time as an owner, you know, I got to do what's best for my team. I don't have my first round pick because I traded it for like Stefan Diggs, I think. I got to go and try to get that back now, you know? So it's unfortunate, but like we have over here in the, uh, in the show sheet, knowing when to pivot or stick with it. And at this point now it's time for me to pivot, even though I think my team is still loaded. And that is important. So I'm glad you actually came with something else other than our story. Yeah. It gives you both perspectives. Yeah. No when. So like, honestly, in one league, I'm with JP, I'm 0 and seven. And I was talking to him today. I'm like, I definitely am going for the rebuild. I'll probably have the one-on-one. I have some players I love, so I'm trying to sell Eckler. I've actually tried to sell him for Javante in a second. Like, I won't even move him. Like, I'm, Wow, I'm, really? I know I'm probably taking the L on value, but I know realistically by next year that's going to be a fair well, trade. I mean, and that so. comes, it comes down to, too, knowing your owners, right? Exactly. Knowing, knowing the people in the league. Like like I mentioned to you, that guy specifically, I think that's Mage, right? Yeah, he, Mage. And he, he only he said had, he didn't have another <clears> share of him. So he didn't yeah, from what he and I had spoken about, like he had mentioned, like I only have one Javante Williams share. So a lot of times with owners, you know, it, it's understanding who they are, what they value, why they value the way they do, because everyone thinks differently. And and coming from that perspective, if that player you're talking to only has one share of that guy, well, then, yeah, it makes sense. Like, hey, this is my only share. I really love this player. I do think he has the upside to be a top eight to ten type of, you know, running back. You know, I'm sorry. I, I just don't feel like adding to that. And, and you say, all right, cool, move on, and, and you find somebody else. So sometimes the trade – just isn't there. And I've said it before. I'll say it again. The best trade sometimes is the one that you didn't make. So, no, and I'm not blaming him. Like I said, yeah. I know I'm overpaying at the moment, but I know looking ahead next year when he's the starter and Melvin's gone, that that will be a fair trade. So that's why I know a lot of people will be like, Oh, that's so much value. But really, and I think he's, and he's probably at looking at it from season. the same perspective too. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's yeah. why you have to know you're playing with smart players. Cause some people yeah. you can get over on. But otherwise, let's move on. You know, we've been running pretty long. So let's go to the dogs of the week. Don, uh, Khan, who's your dog of the week? Yeah. All right. So I let you guys down, like I said in the beginning. I let you guys down, and I'm not going to let you guys down this week. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe I will, but I hope not. Um. So Marvin Jones is my dog of the week. And we saw him playing in London. He made a great catch in the end zone. He looks to be really comfortable with Lawrence, even from week one. You know, he's a vet. He knows the game. And they're playing Seattle. And Seattle's been kind of tightening up a little bit on defense these last couple of weeks. But I hope Urban Meyer coming off of bike can put together a good, uh, you know, a good game plan. And 
kind of get, you know, them back on track and looking for another win this week. So DJ Chark is out for the season. Jones looked good. Lawrence is looking better every week. It's really impressive to see how fast he's come along, in my opinion. Yes. So Marvin Jones is my uh, start of the dog of the week this year. Excuse me. This week, nice. Yeah, JP, yeah. you like go. It. All right. So I got out lucky last last week, guys. <laughs> I, I strong shepherd didn't play. So I can't say that I, I led you wrong because he didn't play. This week, I got two for you. All right. I really like Chubba Hubbard um, against Atlanta. I think that he's got a good get right game. Last week, he was decent. You know, just obviously the Giants defense, for whatever reason, decided to play really, really well. <laughs> um, best game of the season. So that was that was pretty interesting for them. But I really like Chubba Hubbard against um, Atlanta. I feel he could have a, a really solid game there. Um, I, I believe C-Mac is still out. If I'm not mistaken, he's still on IR. So should be good on that one. I will update you guys on Twitter if there anything changes. Um Call it a homer pick, whatever you want. I really like Daniel Jones against Kansas City. Their defense is like pretty much dead last in everything. Um, I think that they're eyeing Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, Kadarius Tony, and potentially Saquon Barkley to be back for this game. We're still missing the left tackle, Andrew Thomas, which does suck because that was one of the biggest things for Daniel Jones's improvement this season was having that blind side protected blind and side. getting some time to make those you know deep balls. But I think if we can get back you know, even two of those four guys out of KG, you know, Tony Shep and, and Barkley, um, it should be a, it should be a big game. And I do think it'll be a high scoring one too. I, I think that the chiefs will put up, you know, 25 plus, you know, that's not unrealistic for them at our defense, unless for whatever reason, they, they come out again and decide to go nuts. But um, I think Danny should, should have a, a big day running, passing the ball. And now he's catching passes guys. I mean, this guy does Dude, it he all. He made the best catch <laughs> in Giants history, right? I don't think people I'm are saying it. Catch. Yeah. People are saying, I, at least we won the game this time when there was a great catch. So yeah, that, was, right. that was pretty cool. So that's it for us yeah, guys. Nick has his. Bro. Oh, Nick, I'm sorry. Go ahead. All right. So this week, I was watching Aaron Rodgers Tuesday on the Pat McAfee show before this recording at 2.21 a.m. on a Wednesday morning. You know, Devontae Adams is out. Alan Lazard is out. MVS might be back. I think Rodgers is still going to put up a great game against the Cardinals. It should be a great game to watch. And I think Randall Cobb is going to be the beneficiary of this because he and Rodgers have chemistry in the past. He's going to need to lean on him or Tonian, basically, and Aaron Jones. So I'm really feeling Randall Cobb to have at least one touchdown, to have probably over 50 yards on five catches. I'm expecting a solid game from him, and I hope you guys start him because I'm going to start him in one league with you guys, just like I did week one with Russell Gage. No, so don't I do Every week I always start <laughs> no, somebody. I always start my dog oh, week no. in at least one oh, league because no. I'm real with you guys. I'm kiss transparent. I take my L's. I take my W's. Fredo's getting the kiss w of this death. Week. Randall Cobb, baby. <laughs> Let's go, Randall Cobb. Let's go. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love the passion. All right, boys. Well, that's good stuff. I appreciate everybody tuning in. I know it's been a longer episode for us tonight. We really, really appreciate everybody. I don't know how long we went, but it was good. I think we're like an hour 30 in. Like at this point, it's it's been – listen, Nick has turned up tonight, guys. He's very passionate. I did not want to cut him off on any of his rants. Um, really hope everybody has a great week. If you have any questions, anything – Always feel free to shoot us a question on um, Twitter. Make sure you check out the website. Rankings will be actually edited next week. Um, next week, week yeah. eight. Yeah, every four weeks we update. Um, so keep a lookout for that. Again, Irv Smith article dropping this week. Got some fun stuff headed. Um, I got you guys Thursday. It's coming out Thursday, probably around 1, 2 p.m. 
Yep. Yep. And then look forward to obviously, you know, this episode and, and we actually have a really awesome special guest next week. I'm not sure if David's going to be coming on. If not, um, my buddy, Rob, um, I don't know if you follow him on Twitter. We hate Rob. Awesome. Dude does some DFF stuff. Um, just a really great person in general and, and going to be some fun football um, to talk about. So looking forward to that. Otherwise appreciate everybody. Dynasty dogs out. Hey everybody. And thanks again for joining us for another episode of Dynasty dogs. As always, we appreciate you taking the time to listen and we always have fun with you. Make sure you come back and join us next time. And please remember to be on the lookout for us on IG and Twitter at dynasty dogs, FF, all one word for daily updates and content. This is Johnny P Nick and con. We'll see you next time.